We want to welcome you to another edition of the Preaching Christ Church podcast, and today I'm incredibly excited about our guest because uh, the story that we want to share with you about life change, the story we want to share with you about being rescued, is actually the story of my mother, Shirley Roberts. She has agreed to share her story with our listeners today, and uh, after talking to her, you know, growing up, I always heard bits and pieces, and uh, I don't know, maybe in my mind, I just couldn't put the full story together. And the other night, we were talking about how God still rescues people. He still rescues out of sin. He rescues out of depression. He rescues from suicide. He rescues from poor decisions and bad situations. The Lord just, He's always uh, rescuing people. I think of Psalm 34, David said, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and he delivered him out of all of his trouble. Well, as mom and I were talking, uh, she began to share with me her full story, her full testimony. And I was just stunned. There were so many details that, you know, I'd heard in passing growing up, but it never fully made, uh, the timeline never fully made sense until we were talking the other day. And I said, Mom, you really need to share your story with our listeners through a podcast, and she graciously agreed. So, Mom, welcome to our podcast show, and we're very excited to hear how God delivered you over 40 years ago. Tell us some of your story. Well, I'd like to begin by saying that um, I was very young. I married very young, and I came from a great home. I came from great parents. They gave me everything that was needed except the, the gospel. And I was, I was very suicidal. I can't even remember how young I was when, when Satan began to tell me, just if you die, you'll just go to sleep. You'll just go to sleep and you'll never wake up. And I thought about so that. So were you like a teenager or, or below a teenager at that I point? Was pro- I was probably around 12 or 13, maybe hmm. 12 or 13, when I began to hear that. And I and it was just constantly on my mind. And you guys, I mean, you guys were a large family, right? Yes, there was five, five kids. I was the fourth out of five. And you would think in a family that size that I wouldn't know what loneliness is, hmm. but I was such a lonely person because... You know, my older brothers and sisters, they got a lot of the attention. I, I guess the more kids you have, the, the less attention you have to show. But I was a very quiet person. I was very shy. And it and, was, I, and I guess, you know, financially, I mean, you guys were a pretty well-to-do family, oh, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. No problems there. Had but spiritually, there was no influence. You never, None. you were never taken to church or you didn't. No. I, th- I think maybe when I was really young, um, my parents did go to church, but I was so young, I don't remember it. Hmm. But I was, um, I was very suicidal. Um, I just, especially the, the more after I got married and Things started started to go wrong. So how old were you when you got married? I was 16. 16. Your dad was 19. I will kill my kids if they do that. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as my marriage, you know, it, it wasn't what I thought it would be. Um, life wasn't what I thought it would be. So I began to, to have a plan because I, I heard this through 
just through music. I think people that that listen to secular music, you need to really listen to the words of it because back in the 70s, I mean, there was a lot of a lot of music that taught you, you know, that how bad life was and and all of that was just sinking into my soul. And so I began to put a plan together that if I couldn't if I couldn't find happiness anywhere that I was checking out, I was leaving this world. And so as I thought about that, there was always something inside of me that said, what if? What if there's really a heaven? What if there's really a hell and you just don't know about it? And so as as things got worse and worse, I moved back back home with my parents. And, and how old were you at that point? I probably was about 18 or 19, maybe, maybe 19. And just very disappointed in life. And I was working at Food City at the time. I was a, a part-time cashier. I graduated high school, so I was... I probably was over 18, but I began to um, just think about that. And in my mind, my plan was, I mean, I had a very a very distinct plan. I, I had pills I could take, and I thought about every single day of my life, I thought about just going to sleep and never waking up again. It was on my mind 24-7, and no one knew, no one. I'm sure if my dad could hear this today, he would be shocked out of his mind. I've never told him how I felt, and my mom is already, has already passed and never told her. But I was a very lonely, very depressed person and just very um, unsatisfied with how my life was going, how life itself was. And so I put this plan together that I was going to try religion, not salvation. I didn't know what salvation was. Didn't even know the term. No, no, not even the term. I, I, di- I didn't know who God was. I didn't know about the Bible. You didn't know churches, didn't no. know denominations, nothing, nothing like that. Nothing, So I was I was working one Sunday evening. Um, this is when grocery stores first started staying open on Sunday evenings. And I went into work, and, and I wasn't feeling well, so I left early. And I came back to my mom's house and I took some NyQuil because I felt like I was getting sick. I took some NyQuil, and it always made me, you know, go into a deep sleep. But I told her, I said, wake me up. I said, I'm going to go to church tonight. And she seemed very shocked at that. And I remember she she said, you go to church? And I said, yeah. And none of your siblings went? No, mm-hmm, none. So she came into the room, and she woke me up. And I remember just being really groggy, just, you know, from the medication and from— from just being tired, overwhelmed, I was groggy. And she said, you wanted me to wake you up. She said, where are you going to church? And I said, Way of Life Baptist. And she said, well, why would you go there? And I said, I don't know. I didn't. I truly didn't know why I said that. And I said, I don't even know where that church is. She said, that's that little church right up from our house. And I said, really? So I got ready, got in my car, I remember that the weather was horrible that night. It was raining so hard, storming. And I drove up to the place where she had told me that the church was, and I pulled in the parking lot. The door was boarded up. The windows were boarded up. And I can remember just sitting in the car for a few minutes, just being so disappointed, just thinking, you know, just another disappointment, another disappointment in this world. So I was going to 
go back, go back to their house, and I started back down Gravelly Road, and I just can't, I, my lights just flashed on a sign, and I stopped and I backed up, and it said Way of Life Baptist Church, and had an arrow pointing, and I looked toward the arrow, and they had built their building up on a huge hill, and it was the steeple of the church was all lit up, and there was lightning striking all around the steeple. And there was something in my heart that said, if you'll come up here, there's help. There's help if you'll come. Wow. And so I drove I drove up to the church that night. Of course, it had already started. I, I don't even think there was music. I think, you know, the pastor at that point was getting ready to speak. And he came up to the podium. And I remember thinking, I wonder who he is. Had no idea. Didn't, didn't, know, didn't know him at all. And that night, I kept thinking throughout the sermon, I kept thinking, how does he know me? How does he know what I'm thinking wow. and what I'm and what I'm going through? I mean, he I've never met this person before. So it came time for the altar call. And you would think with with the predicament that I was in that I would have ran to the altar. But I was so shy. It was, it was just so hard. It was so overwhelming to me. And I literally remember holding on to the back of the pew because I was on the very, the very back seat in the back of the church, as far back to the door as you could get, as close to the door as you could get. And I remember holding on to the pew and telling myself, if I can get out of this, I will never come back. If I can just get out this door I will never come back. That's how strong that God was drawing my heart. So I left that night, lost without God, not knowing, not knowing I was lost, not just, you know, saying I'm lost and I'm not giving my heart to God. That wasn't the attitude. It was the attitude of, I don't know, I don't understand. I I, I don't know what, what this is inside of me. I don't know. It was just all very strange to me. So I left that night, and I wish I could remember how long it was before I went back. It, it seems to me like I went back in just a couple of weeks, just, just God drawing me back. Of course, I didn't know that, but I would go back, and the same thing would happen. I would just feel like that somebody had watched me all week long and, and knew exactly every detail that was happening in my heart and in my mind things that I had hidden from everybody. No one knew how suicidal I was. No one knew how close I was to checking out. No one knew. And Satan was right there telling me, just go to sleep. Never, You'll wow. never wake up. You'll, you'll never have to face another day in this world. And it was a very strong temptation, very, very strong. And I, I kept doing this, and, and I kept going back. And and. I made really sure of I was probably the last person in the door. The music had already started every time I walked in the service, and I was the first person to leave. I wanted to be as invisible, and if you knew me, even in high school, I was pretty invisible. That's how I lived my life. I didn't, I didn't want anyone to see me or talk to me or anything. But when there was a particular service, and because I left early— they changed the dates on it. This was a special service on Thanksgiving, and it was 1977. Actually, it was November 25th, 1977. It was on a Friday night. 
and they were having a special service on Thanksgiving week. And I went at my usual time, but they had changed the time of the service. So I got there, and there wasn't but a handful of people there. Well, I couldn't leave because if I left, then somebody would see me leave, and I was so shy I didn't want to be seen. (laughs) You were trapped. I I was trapped. (laughs) So I sat down, and I remember the, the trio was singing. The Spirit of God was all over that place, all over that place. Of course, I didn't know it was the Spirit of God. I didn't know what it was. I knew it was something that I that I had never seen before, and I knew that I didn't know anybody that that was like that. So I sat there as they sang song after song, and then people started coming in and, and pouring so in the, the service. So the service hadn't even began. No, they, it hadn't they, even began. They were rehearsing. Yeah, they were rehearsing. Yeah. So this, you know, people started coming in. The church was full of people, and I had left that church so many times wanting to go forward, but just, you know, so shy that I couldn't. I just couldn't make myself do it. And just leaving feeling so disappointed that I that I didn't do it. So that night, that night was just so different because the pastor that night stood at the podium and he said, everybody that can and will come to the altar. And the whole church went. Everybody went. So I went that night. But before I went, right before he said that, I remember it was the first time that I ever spoke to God. Hmm. The very first time. And I remember just saying, just look, I was just looking around. And I remember just saying, God, I don't understand this. And as soon as those words went up to God, that's when the pastor came to the podium and said, everybody that can and will come to the altar. So I went that night, and I knelt down. And I tell you, if salvation had costed a dollar, I couldn't have bought it. Couldn't have bought it. I was so broken. And I I just told God, I knelt down and I just told God, I said, I don't know what these people have. But if you'll give it to me, I'll give you my life. It wasn't a fair trade. My life was a mess. I was a mess. But I knew, I knew that moment that I had passed from death into life. I, I didn't know it in those terms, mm-hmm. but I knew I was different. Mm-hmm. I knew when I stood up that I no longer was alone that there was help for me, and I didn't fully understand it. But I caught on really quickly, really quickly. I remember waking up the next morning in the same house, in the same circumstance, in the same predicament, and I remember waking up and for the first time in my life hearing the birds sing, and I thought, wow, never heard that before. My life was just different. I was looking through a different set of eyes. I was looking through a different heart. And I have hope for the first time. I'd had no hope before, no hope that there was help for me. So it was getting close to Christmas time. I didn't have a Bible. But from the night I got saved, from that night, that Friday night that I gave my heart to the Lord, I counted the days till I could go back. I was super excited. I was so excited. And I had one dress, only only owned one dress, and it wasn't, you know, a really 
what you might call a dress that you would wear to church. I, would, I mean, I had to do a lot of pinning and, you know, pinning the, the neckline up and things like that. But I wore that dress Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Not one time did it ever cross my mind. You can't, you can't go to church. You don't have anything to wear. I wore that dress. Mm-hmm. I wore it every time I went to church. And I don't, I don't even remember how many times I wore it. You didn't worry about people thinking you no. wear the same thing every time. No, 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 because mm-hmm. every time I went in, God had something for me. Mm-hmm. He had something different for me every time I walked through the doors. And so my sister bought me a Bible. She got my name for Christmas, and she knew how excited I had told my whole family you know, how my life had changed. and uh, They thought you had joined a cult, didn't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you were so different. Yeah, because I was so different. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mother-in-law, who, who had gone to church, and my husband's family, they had gone to church, gotten hurt, so he was kind of raised in church. And I remember calling her and just telling her this whole story. And she said, she said, you don't know what happened to you, do you? And I said, no, I'm just different. She said, you got saved. I said, I did? She said, you did. And so that was kind of... A new word. It was a new word. Somebody put, had put a word together for me. So I started connecting the dots. But she got me this Bible, and I can just remember reading the, you know, those childhood stories, Daniel in the lion's den, and just being blown away, blown away by the Word of God, just living in it. I mean, taking it with me everywhere I went, just reading it and just, you know, telling other people, can you believe that it says this? Can you just read it on Scripture and saying, can you can you believe that that God said this to us? Because, I mean, you were in, um, I remember you telling me this when I was young, you were almost in your 20s and had never heard the stories. You I was 20. Know. I was 20 when I got saved. What a lot of children know, like mm-hmm. Daniel and the Lions did. I didn't know. You never heard it, had you? No, never heard it. Hmm. So it was... It was such a such an incredible journey, but I I began to um, you know I had questions and didn't there it's not like I had close friends I could ask uh, I definitely didn't want to bother the pastor or anybody at the church because even still after I got saved I still you know went in late and left early because still very shy I was very very shy and so I can remember I started to pray and I would ask God these questions, and I'd show up at church, whether it be Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's what the message was on. So I relied on that. I relied on God to disciple me, and He did. Mom, thank you so much for being willing to share your story today. And as you're talking, I know in my heart that there are many people listening who are exactly where you were. They are right now as lost as what you were, there are many listening who are suicidal, and no one knows it. There are many listening who are in the throes of depression, and they don't know what to do. I even think there are many listening that, like you, they don't have a pastor. They don't even know a pastor. They don't have a church. They don't own a Bible, and they literally don't know where to turn. Um, I want to ask you if you would pray for those right now who... Um, who need the Lord, because, you know, that's the greatest thing about Christianity. In all other religions, it's man seeking God, but in Christianity, it's God seeking us. And I think that there are many people listening, whether on the date that this airs or even perhaps years from now, 
who are listening in archives, who God is pursuing them, and God is trying to reach them. And I think this is one of the ways that God's trying to get their attention. Why don't you pray for people now who right now they are as lost as what you were in 1977? Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the opportunity for all the ones that are listening to our story today, to my story today, my journey with you. Father, I pray for them. I pray, Father, that you would lead them the way that you led me. God, it was by your hand that night that you led me to that church, that you led me to that dear pastor. And all the times, all the sermons I sat through, that you were drawing my heart all the times I left, God, without acknowledging you, without going forward. Father, I pray for them that you would show them the way, the way that you showed me. Father, it was you that saved me. It was you that rescued me. Let them know that you will rescue them. God, help them to call on you. Help them to talk to you to carry on a conversation, to start a conversation with you because you're everywhere. You're not contained to a building. You're not contained to a church house. And Father, we pray that you will help them to know that. Father, we love you. We thank you. Father, I am grateful beyond words for the life that you've given me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we look forward to hearing from you. And if today's episode spoke into your life, Consider reaching out to us. Tell us who you are, especially if you don't own a Bible or you don't know a pastor. We don't care where you're from. We want to know who you are. We want to pray with you. We want to get to know you. So mom is going to join us again for another podcast, and uh, we hope you'll come back for the next uh, episode in this series called Rescued. And uh, mom, you were actually a shortly after you were saved. And we're going to share that uh, riveting story on the next edition of the Preaching Christ Church podcast. Mom, thank you for joining us today, and we thank you for listening, and we hope that you'll listen to uh, the next story in the chapter of Mom's Life.